It is uh, Channel 4, a special two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show, because uh, Greg lost a bet. <laughs> so now you're here. <laughs> Until I bet him more often. <laughs> you win, apparently. Um, no, it wasn't a bet. We traded times. <laughs> you just want to make it sound good on yeah, my end. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. I just it's up just the, purely uh, business. <laughs> I just looked up at the TV, and it's one degree out here now. We oh, could, we could talk about slip and falls today on ice. For we almost really May. Yeah, we could talk about that, but hopefully there's no more ice. So, you know, positive thinking. Let's get rid of the ice convo. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. We have a special guest here today. Oh, geez. Look out. <laughs> hey, guys. So ben. so ben, ben is a, a fourth-year chiropractic uh, student. Uh, he was one of my students that I've taught through the four years. I've taught him in first year. Did I teach you in third as well? Uh, you did, yes, yeah, for so, uh, diagnostics. Yeah, so clinical nice. education and diagnosis. Um, he's in his fourth year where he's also doing his internship with me. So he's been seeing a lot of the people coming in cool. through the radio um, with us. So, Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, so I did my undergrad in um, in kinesiology, and then uh, I ended up going to uh, the college for chiropractic. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah so he's he's been at the college, so four-year program, um, and... Uh, yeah, he's he's been seeing patients with me. He's he's seen a lot of interesting cases. So I've been getting him to run through the histories mm-hmm. and the physical exams with uh, with the patients, and then obviously I come in and obviously continue to do my right, thing. Right. Uh, but he's under my license right now. Uh, so and he's also been treating some patients, um, which I don't do as much of anymore. But he's been doing that with some of the other colleagues. So Ben, any interesting cases? Yeah, actually, there's one case that uh, I remember seeing right. I think a few weeks in, and I was just a little surprised. But um, I think it was about a 40-year-old male. He came in, he had a lot of back pain. Um, but it originated back pain, then it eventually got to more of severe neck pain. So it lasted for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, initial onset, again, 10 years ago, and then he started to feel the pain. It was kind of nagging at first. It was affecting how it was working, but then I think the last two weeks before it came in, it started getting worse. He went to other professionals, um, and he was kind of um, almost getting the turnaround. Kind of where, where is the neck pain going? He was kind of certain exactly what was happening. And I remember him coming to see you, and he, you clarified it to him. You kind of explained to him what was going on, um, and it really changed. It really after I remember the conversation with you and the per- and the and the the patient. He um he was had this big smile on his face because he kind of came to realization what was going. Got on. enlightened. Yeah, well, he got enlightened. I, I, I he remember was. the he case. Was. So the case was that uh, um, this person, like Ben said, had had persistent neck pain for a very long time, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where anytime someone has chronic pain like that they must think that there's a major cause to this problem right. like there's got to be something there that's really bad and you know let's find it before it gets too bad and in all honesty mm-hmm. it was nothing more than postural stuff like as soon as i looked at him from the side his head had what's called an anterior head carriage so he was like completely hanging forward in his head his posture and his spine had already changed so much um and plus he started talking about the repetitive sprain strain that he does at work the constant lifting and things that he's doing so it was no surprise to me that he had neck pain and i just basically Mm -hmm. described why he had neck pain he also described that at certain points sometimes he would get this very specific point tenderness which was inflammation based because again and it's hard it's the visual stuff on the radio is obviously tough but if you looked at his spine there was a complete hinge point there was one point where you could tell was taking the brunt of the abuse of everything that was ever going on and so whenever he would aggravate that stuff Mm -hmm. he would get that That flare up that flare up Mm -hmm. exactly and so he was just sort of like you know i've seen all kinds of specialists and no one's ever really made it this simple and i and 
the reality is when you see a lot of specialists, like if you go see a neurologist, a neurologist is looking for a neurological cause to the problem. Sure. If it's not there, they're going to just tell you there's no neural. They don't tell you nothing is wrong. They tell you there's no neurological cause. Equally so, if you go see a rheumatologist and there's no you know, autoimmune disease, they're not telling you nothing's wrong with you. They're just simply saying it's not autoimmune, it's not a rheumatology case. Uh, if you go see an orthopedic surgeon, same thing. This is not orthopedic surgery, so this is not it. So, And people mistake that, right? They think that when these specialists are telling them that there's nothing in that specific field, that it means nothing's wrong. No, something is wrong. It's just it's not one of those things. Right. And and again, it's very important that you rule out the more serious causes of pain. First. Um, exactly. First, you've been doing this long enough. Yeah. I mean, now that you know, yeah. uh, you rule out those things first. And once you've ruled those things out, then you can focus on the mechanical postural things. Uh, and and that's what we were able to do with this person. I was able to give him the advice that he needs. And he's on his way and, and probably doing better uh, every day because he's managing it the right way now. You find that's a, a big thing with patients too, because they, they figure, you know, why is this taking so long to, to diagnose what I've got wrong? But it's like you said, it's a, it's a pyramid. You got to go from the very worst yeah. and work your way diagnosis, back. And, yeah. know, diagnosis. I hear that a lot a with emergency rooms, right? Like I went in, I had a, ba- a bad back flare up. I went into the emergency room, they did a CAT scan uh, and they released me. Yeah. Because they determined that your back pain wasn't going to kill you in the next 48 hours. Yeah, you're good. Right. So that's, they're essentially looking, is there something horrible there? They're not there to tell you, okay, well, you know, you have mechanical pain, so here's the type of therapy you should know. That's why family doctors exist. That's your family doctor is the primary care, is the primary contact, but that's also the reason why other primary care professionals like chiropractors like Ben and myself, physiotherapists, massage therapists exist, because that they can assess these patients as primary contact from those specific problems and assess them and treat them that way. We'll take a, a short break. First one of this two-hour special edition of the Dr. Pain Show. That means we got lots of time to answer your calls about pain, uh, your physical whereabouts. Give us a call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Pain Show continues right here, Global News Radio. It is 1013, two-hour edition of the Dr. Pain Show. Plenty of time for you, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have Ben, one of your students on the air here with us today. We'll get to your phone calls. Uh, Pinpoint Health, by the way, that is uh, soon going to be launched on a uh, larger yep. scale as far yes. as social media and everything. Everything's right? going to be changed over to that, yeah, Beauty. social media stuff soon. Good looking uh, forward to that. Mike, thanks for uh, hanging on through the break. How are you? Hey, Mike. Hello. Hey. Michael. Michael. Yep. Yeah, that's you. Same meal. Short version of what's going on, pal. Okay. Yes. Um, so, uh, doctor, a uh, question for you. Yes. Um, does OHIP covers for any operation that you do on someone? Any operations? Yeah. Most surgeries are covered through OHIP, so I don't do, I'm not a surgeon, so I don't do surgeries, but the people in my team that are surgeons and have to operate, yes, it is covered through OHIP. Okay, okay. And just, uh, we have to pay you the, the legal fee, right? Legal fee? The legal fee? I'm confused. Like, uh, you charge a fee? For, there, for my assessment, there is a $75 fee, yes. Yeah. It's a one-time okay. charge to see me to get my opinion. Um, and then I, depending on what is going on, obviously, uh, what we find through the assessment, we make the recommendation. Now, not all services are covered through mm-hmm. OHIP. An example of that is if I think that you need massage therapy, for example, and that's you, the best option for your treatment, 
then massage therapy is not covered through OHIP. But equally so, if I think you need a cortisone injection and I refer you to one of the the surgeons that does that, that will be covered through injection, the part of right. the surgeon's work, but the inje- the cortisone itself, you have to pay for, which is about 20 or 30 bucks. So it, it really is just based on the rules in Ontario around healthcare. The things that are private services are all private services also at my clinic, and the things that are OHIP-covered services are equally OHIP-covered services at, at our clinics. Okay, okay. Okay? Okay, thank you. No Thanks, problem. Michael. But yeah, having said that, there's a lot of stuff that people don't realize you might have to dish for, or you'll have workplace coverage as well if you have some. Well, yeah. So then, plan, right? third-party payers, like if this is a car accident, for example, you were hurt in a car accident, right. and you come see us, then there's third-party paying through the automobile insurance. If it's a workplace accident and it's a WSIB injury and you need therapy with that, then yes, it would be through WSIB. But those again are all the rules that pertain to all professionals in Ontario. This isn't just. Uh, pinpoint health and my team it's it's all of uh all of ontario that mm-hmm. would would fall under that same cool. umbrella yeah nice. um but yeah my service is not covered my my assessment is not ohip covered which is i think what most people are wondering about what else you got going on today pal uh so lots of things tons of cases coming through mm-hmm. um prp injections is something that i wanted to speak about so there's a good example that's done by an orthopedic surgeon uh, the visit with the orthopedic surgeon is covered through OHIP, but the injection itself is not covered right. through, through OHIP, and there is a fee for for the PRP injection. But where it is, where we determine it to be the right thing, is a very good solution for people, especially with mild to moderate um, knee osteoarthritis. So people, th- it's it's really ideal for people who probably need to eventually have a knee replacement but want to keep prolonging it, right? They're not bone-on-bone yet. They're not that severe. Yeah, they're not bone-on-bone, but they do have pain. They have inflammation, and we want to get rid of the inflammation. So the PRP injection um, is a withdrawal of the person's blood, their own blood. The plasma is separated, um, or sorry, the platelets are separated uh, from the rest of the blood, and those platelets are then re-injected back into um, the structure that we're targeting. In this case, it would be uh, the the knee. Now, we do also do PRP injections for some other sites in the body. Having said that, the research around it is much better for the knee osteoarthritis. But when we talk about evidence-based medicine, Ben, what's evidence-based medicine? Evidence-based medicine. So it's three pillars. You're looking at clinical experience. You're looking at the best evidence available as well as patient preference. Right. So Kids, learn it. We're learning. We're <laughs> learning. That was day one probably in first right. year when I saw him. So um, the the important thing about that is that, so the research around the injections for other sites of the body is not great. However, there is good clinician, ex- clinician experience, right? Mm-hmm. With, with some of these other injection sites with PRP and also patients want them. So um, if you're in need of PRP or you, you know, the way I always start is see me for the assessment, right? And, and I'll determine if that's a good option because out of a hundred people that I see that want PRP, want it themselves, I may be recommending it for 50 or 60% because in another 40 or 50%, I find that it may not be the right option. And I don't want them to spend their money if it's not the right option. I would rather that if they did have to spend the money, they put it towards uh, something that's more beneficial. Or if they maybe they don't need to spend the money, maybe it's an OHIP-covered service um, in some other manner, like a knee replacement, that might be a better option. But an ideal candidate for these types of PRP injections in the knee is someone who's still... 
uh, quite young. And when I say young, I'm not talking about 20. I'm talking about like 50, early 60s. Mm-hmm. If you're in that range, you do have knee osteoarthritis. Your knee's bugging you. It tends to swell. You're looking for a really good option to delay um, that eventual knee replacement and especially get rid of the swelling, which is what causes the pain. PRP injections are a very, very good option. Um and along, since we're talking about the knee, we obviously, uh, with the knee surgeons that we have, we have our knee clinic initiative obviously still going on, uh, where people who have sustained an injury of their knee can get in quickly for surgery. And that is all designed to uh, make better or give better prognosis to the patients when we can get them in quicker. We've gone through this a lot in the show when we've talked about the typical case, somebody hurts their knee. Uh, They think it's nothing horrible. They let it sit for a few weeks. Finally, they decide to go to their family doctor. Family doctor says, okay, try this, this, and this first. They go try those things. Then it's finally like, well, it's not getting better. Let's get some imaging. You get the imaging referral to a surgeon. Surgeon says, yeah, you need surgery. By the time it's all said and done, Mm -hmm. you may be talking eight months to a year. Right. That's a long time if, if it's surgery that you need right away. So if you have a knee problem, it's worthwhile to just give us a call and see if you qualify to, to skip straight to the surgeon, right? And that, that doesn't mean that the surgeon is necessarily going to do surgery on you, but at least if it is something that is needed, you get it done quickly. And if you get it done quickly, then your prognosis is overall better for the long-term success of that surgery. Have you noticed any other, you mentioned other places, possibly say a shoulder or a yep. hip. I mean, does it, has yeah. it any proof of it? Yeah. So, well? so really any lower extremity, right. um, or, or upper extremity for surgery for, if for those types of things, it's just people really tend to hurt their knees a lot more in traumatic incidents, mm-hmm. right? Like if they're playing a sport, they hear a pop that just happens so much more often than say, you know, your hip, if you, if it's in your ankle, you usually end up tearing like the ATFL, you just sort of rehab it or brace it. There's not, but shoulder for sure, elbow stuff, uh, but knee, knee injuries tend to happen a lot, which is why we're really focusing on that uh, because of how many um, knee injuries happen relative to other body parts. But you are right. Having said that any upper extremity or lower extremity uh, injury that could possibly require surgery, uh, you, you, it's worthwhile for you to give us a call. Um, obviously spine surgery is not something anybody wants, yeah. uh, and, and very little cases of spine related pain require surgery. I think the stat is that out of a hundred cases of spine that a spine surgeon sees, maybe two or three are actually surgical. No so, so, and that's not, and that's, we're not, that's not all low back pain or spine related right. cases. That's the ones that have made it to a neurosurgeon. Short break, the extended version of the Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have a pain issue, something you want to ask, this is the time to do it while we're here till 12 o'clock right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Started early and we're going late right till uh, 12 o'clock here, two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show. Yeah, lots of time for you to call in, ask your pain questions about your health as well, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Got Ben, the student. Ben the, the protege student. in here. Yes, yes. Okay, so I had a... Grill, yeah, grill the old man. <laughs> yeah, okay, go ahead, Here Ben. Here we go. So I have a question. So you mentioned... Uh, skipping one, the line. like a quick, like just boom, run after yeah. the other. Okay, one go after for another. it. Um, so I had a quick question. So you mentioned about surgery skipping the line. You mentioned also about uh, hip knee surgery. So what do you look for in medical professionals to kind of get, get a good understanding of what to look for? When it comes to surgery of the knee? Yeah, so for example, yeah. you have your yeah. your assessment and so then eventually the, yeah, surgery. There's, so typically, so if, if people that are listening have... Um, one of these three, and even worse, all three of these next three symptoms that I'm about to say, mm-hmm. then usually that's an indication that surgery is probably um, a, an important thing. So clicking with pain, uh, which could likely be a meniscus, uh, swelling, 
right? Which tells you that there's clearly something going on. Swelling outside of the degenerative arthritis type of stuff and locking of the knee. So if your knee ever locks where literally you can't open it, that's probably that's a problem because there's usually something getting stuck and that, that definitely needs surgery. And that's probably the most concerning out of all of them. Um, and then obviously if these symptoms are as a result of trauma, that's a big thing as well. If you've had some type of trauma, you've been playing a sport, there's a twist, something happens, right. and then you're followed by one or all three of those symptoms or two of those symptoms, then that's an important thing that you need to get looked at quickly because there's likely something structurally wrong. Uh, and if it's structurally wrong, then it needs to get intervened. Um, in terms of, uh, so you asked about the knee and the hip, is that yeah, right? Knee and hip as well. Yeah. So, and then obviously with the knee going back to the osteoarthritis stuff, but these people, you typically know they're older people. I, I don't know. You weren't in on Thursday with me, no. but I had a person, um, who came in, uh, older gentleman, uh, knee, a knee issue. I just looked at him and knew it was severe osteoarthritis. Why? Because when osteoarthritis gets bad enough, it displaces the bones and changes the angle of the leg. Okay. It literally, you'll you'll notice these people go from having straight legs to being very bow legged. Really? And and wow. I, the first thing I said because it was him with his daughter, and I said, "Has he always been bow legged, or that's new?" And she said, "No, that's relatively new." I said, "It's severe osteoarthritis." He needs, he needs to have his knees replaced. At that right? point, wouldn't there be immense amounts of pain or not always? Oh, yeah. He's in tons of pain. Yeah. He, if he, if I, I asked him, when does your pain start? He said, from the minute I put my feet on the ground in the morning and start walking until I go lay down at night, oh. I have pain. Now, although that sounds horrible, a lot of knee osteoarthritis with the severe inflammation also causes pain at night. So the caveat there is at the very least, he's pain-free during the night, which is good because he can still get his rest. But... The thing about that is he's limited in movement, right? And that's a dangerous thing when you're older because cardiovascular health needs to be kept up. You don't want stasis. You don't want to be doing nothing when you're older. So right away, uh, I got him. Uh, I got him to uh, go out and get stationary pedals. Uh, which he can put down in front of him on the couch or his bed or whatever, and just keep active that way, at least keeping some cardiovascular activity, and then that way diminishing um, any impact on the knee. So still able to be active. Uh, so there is always a way to modify. We're what? talking a double knee here? Both knees, yeah. Wow. I, and, they, and I told them that they needed a knee replacement, and my recommendation was to speak to the surgeon about getting both done at the same time, just also because of his age, 77, right? Like, Wow. Yeah. You're headed there too, don't you? Thanks, pal. Appreciate that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Ben, the student, is here growing the teacher. Yeah, go ahead, this. Ben. All right, here's my next question. So um, <laughs> so now that uh, the person's next step is surgery, what can they what can they expect after when they've recovered? That's a great question. So even before we get to after the recovery, um, let's talk about what we've often talked about, yeah. which mm -hmm. is prehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So getting ready for surgery. And a lot of times when I see people who are eventual surgical candidates or even I'm making that referral, I'm telling them that they also need to be doing rehab and therapy in order to get strong for the surgery. In terms of following up with the surgery, what they can expect, that's a tough one because it's very dependent on what the exact surgery is and the prognostic factors of that patient, right? And you would know this, Ben, like if you have mm -hmm. someone who's severely overweight, um, very unhealthy, bad diet, uh, bad diet, all those things, yeah. like just check, check, check. Obviously, their prognostic factors after surgery are not as good as someone who's an avid athlete, uh, you know, keeps very active, uh, is the right weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it is very dependent 
on the specific situation. Uh, but I would say that an important thing, and I hear this all too often, is I hear people coming in saying, you know, I've got this issue, I had surgery for it. And then I say, and what'd you do after the surgery? I didn't do anything Perfect. bad. What did you do before mm-hmm. the surgery? Nothing. Nothing. There should be therapy involved both before and after the surgeries. I don't care what the surgery is. You need to be prehabbing it and you need to be rehabbing it. Which is why you say athletes are generally good patients because they're, they're already active. prehabilitated yeah. because yeah. they're athletes and they definitely want to get back to right. their activity following. So they do the right things. And that's why they do much better with surgery. And you've often said that surgery is not always a cure for pain. In fact, quite often it isn't. No, right? it's no. functionality. It's it's the structure and function where it's important, mm-hmm. um, or neurological deficits. Anything where there's an objective measure, right? Like if we can see, like that person who can't walk uh, because they're bow legged and things like that, or let's say someone the knee example we were talking about, where there's locking of the knee. Mm-hmm. Great option. A lot of people, there's this old school mentality that they have pain, but their function is absolutely perfect. Okay. And they think that the surgery will cure the pain. Wrong. That not always, because that may not be the cause of the pain, right? So so it's not the right answer for pain management if your function is fine. It, it, is, it is a good option if function and, and structure is limited somehow. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Short break, right back at it. You got questions for, uh, you know what, even the student here, we'll, we'll grill yeah. Ben if you want <laughs> yeah, to. call and ask Ben stuff. Yeah, yes, call and ask, ask Ben questions. stuff. I'm going to go Luigi home. and I will go and have a coffee somewhere. <laughs> ben can handle the rest of the show. Dr. Payne Show, right till noon on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 1034-416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. And uh, after the show is done, anytime after that, actually one 855 drlou to uh, to reach out and further that conversation. John, thanks for uh, hanging on, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, not much. Um, it's to do with my wife. Okay. Um, uh, she's got upper neck and uh, or upper back and neck pain, and she's got like a crunchy thing in her collarbone. Mm-hmm. But she takes injections and. Uh, the stuff only works temporarily, I noticed. Yeah. How long has this been going on for your wife? Uh, geez, 10 years, maybe longer. Yeah. What was the, like, did this arise out of some specific injury or just sort of developed? I think a bit of both. When she was younger, like two or something, she's in a bad car accident. Mm-hmm. And then one time she was wrestling with, uh, her sister-in-law, and she picked her up over her shoulder and dropped her. With the sister-in-law or the sister? The sister-in-law. Oh, wow. Is my wife's a small lady. Okay. I don't know if that's what it's from or not. Okay, so what, what's the question then? Uh, is there more she could be doing? She goes to the chiropractor and that, but it doesn't do much. Right. Is she Has she rehabilitated oh, her neck? Has she worked on exercises? Uh, she does. She likes to exercise, yeah. No, but does she exercise her neck specifically with rehab exercises designed specifically no, for the no, neck? Well, then I don't that, think she does. Yeah, that's so. So I'll tell you in general, it, it's very hard for me to answer, um, you know, specifically for your wife because obviously I haven't assessed her. But what I can tell you most of the time with chronic neck and low back pain is that I the answer. Upper back pain. So. 
Yeah, spine-related pain, fine. Uh, it's all the same, uh, is that it really comes to building good, strong muscles in those areas. And oftentimes, these people are very deconditioned in those muscles, and that's why they have this chronic pain. Um, so, so if that's not something she's doing, it's definitely worthwhile for her to come see me and get that assessed and see if there's more that she can be doing. Well, she works in the courtroom too, right? So she's always, uh, filling out paperwork. Yeah. So she's but, but everyone, so that everyone's got something where the neck, like whether you're working in a courtroom or you're a new mom holding a baby or you're a construction worker bending down, picking things up, turning, everyone's got to use their neck. That's why the muscles to have them strong and conditioned is so important. Oh, okay. Okay. Can you rebuild muscle at a certain age? How old is she? Yeah, and the answer is likely yes, but how old is she? 48. Oh, yeah. Oh, Come yeah. Come on. That's yeah, young. Yeah. She's young, man. Yep. Yeah, no problem. Reach out, pal. It's one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And plenty of time for you to call into this show right till 12 o'clock this morning, 416 should let Ben answer some, eh? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing that right okay, now. Okay, go, Ben. All right, okay, let me take ben. the next one. Peter, how are you? Good, yourself? Good. What's going on with you? Um, well, my mid to late 20s, I got diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. Uh, I sort of suffered with that for years, been on a lot of anti-inflammatories. I've tried two biologicals that I can't seem to tolerate. Um, last September, I had my hip replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and after about three months, I went back to work. And then after about a month of working, I started developing a large Baker cyst in my right knee. I pretty My right knee was already hurting to start with. Um, but I had to take another month off work to let that subside. My orthopedic surgeon prescribed a customized knee brace for the right knee, which I, I've been wearing, and it seems to help uh, align the knee and, and make it better. But I still experience pain uh, when my AS, I guess it's my AS, I don't know, I get a flare-up in the base of my spine, and it travels to my sacroiliac joint, and then it goes down the left side of my, my leg where my, my hip was replaced. And I get a pain there where, the, where it's, uh, a, new, a new hip's been put in, and I don't quite understand why that's happening if it's, you know, something else. And I go to see an orthopedic, and he says to see the rheumatologist, and the, the rheumatologist is saying it's not AS. And I, I'm just getting confused on how to treat it, so to speak. Okay. I can't, I can't seem to get, like, a consensus among doctors. So, so, what's, so the question, I guess, is how do you treat what you have going on? Yeah, like okay. I'm still continuing to experience pain down the side where my hip was replaced. I mean, my mobility is much better and have more, you know, sure. range of motion. But uh, yeah, so I let's so so with knowing the limited information that we know now. So Ben, what do you think, right off the bat? Um, so the first question I'm asking would be, um, did you do like any rehab after your surgery? Sorry? Sorry, did you do any rehab after your surgery? Yes, I did. I did physio for three months. And three months. And how did your hip feel after that? It felt better. It was actually doing okay, but after I'd gone back to work, you know, life gets busy and the physio isn't as important mm-hmm. now because you're working and you come home, you're exhausted. I'm dealing with the... Well, it's, it's of- equally mm-hmm. as important. It's just you don't have the time for it. So that's, that's a different conversation. When was the hip surgery? Uh, September 18. September 2018. So yes. the first thing that I'd be thinking is ankylosing spondylitis is an autoimmune disease that causes ankylosing, which means fusion of the spine. Yeah. Um, and so is your spine fused anywhere radiographically? 
Yeah, they they couldn't yeah. like they couldn't give me an epidural for the hip because they couldn't pierce it. It was too much. Uh, right. Pain. So so right off the bat, so all of the nerves that come out of the low back go into your lower extremity. They go where the hip is. All those things. So this is an important thing, right? Just because somebody has pain in their leg doesn't necessarily mean that it's only the hip that might be causing that pain. That might be part of the problem. But someone like yourself who also has ankylosing spondylitis, although the inflammation might not be active, what is relevant is that the ankylosing, the fusion, will have caused um, osteophyte and bony formation, which puts pressure on nerves. That pressure on those nerves will create pain. So that would be my first thought in a person like you, that it's likely related to the fusion of the spine, creating lack of mobility for the nerves, probably creating the majority of your pain right now. Okay, so like, what's my answer? It seems like these biologicals. I, I, I got to assess you to give you a specific answer. Okay. You got to appreciate that I can't. I understand. I, yeah, I can't. I can't say for sure. I'd have to review. I'd want to see your X-rays, move your body around, and do some testing. But I'm happy to see you. John knows how. Let's. <laughs> to give the information there is what you're trying to say, yeah. Peter. Here you are, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou again, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. I could have done it, I guess. Yeah, it would have been nice. What a, Dominic, Sheldon, Rob, and hang on, guys. We'll get to all of you after a short break. Your calls as well. Bring them on four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. It's a Doctor Payne show extended right till noon right here on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. It is ten forty four. We go till noon as you know the normal hour, but we added an extra one this week of the Doctor Payne show four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Doubled up on the help too. We got Ben, one of your students here, answering some. Calls as well. Moving on first to uh, to Dominic. Thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, I have a couple of uh, questions. Yeah. Uh, but a year ago, a year, two, a year and a half ago, I had diffuse back. Mm-hmm. So I had I had bars put in and everything. So I had to work on that to straighten my back. So it was a lot of walking and a lot of exercise. But I, you know, I came the hurdle. Uh, pretty good, but then my knees start to get sore. Mm-hmm. So I found out after a year that I'm going to be needing a, a knee replacement. Yeah. So I've been keeping going to the physiotherapist, and I've been going to the gym a lot and good. do uh, swimming. You know, just keep the uh, the movements going. Very good. Uh, now next week I will get my knee done mm-hmm. finally after a year waiting. Uh, Will this set me back, or will this give me a, a head start on it? Well, what on set the, you back? To recuperate. The, the, after the knee surgery? Yes. Now you're going to slow down a bit. I mean, well, you know. Ben, what do you think? <laughs> mm, well, I think it depends on um, what he does for the knee. So, for example, if he's going at an aggressive pace, then he might be a little stressing out the knee. He wants to take it back no. against progressively with his walk, I, with his exercises. Go ahead, Dominic. Yeah, go ahead, Dominic. I just go on the stationary bike a lot. Okay. But so, Dominic, I'm confused. What's the question? Will you be set back after the surgery? Yes. Well, a little bit, of course, right? Like, I mean, it is surgery. It's 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 structured trauma. So, you know, but that's the whole point of rehabbing mm-hmm. it back to... The good news is it sounds like you're in, you're doing the right things prior to surgery, which is what we were speaking of. And now following right. the surgery, your, recover sh- your recovery should be quicker just based on those facts. But... It, it, I think it would be, um, what's the right word here? Uh, not a smart thing to, to to assume that you won't have 
any setback Im- like immediately following the surgery. Of course, you'll have some. Your knee is being replaced after all. This isn't, you know, they're they're filling a cavity. Um, it is yeah. it is significant. So yeah, some some setback should be expected. It's just a matter of you know how how long before you get back to the point where you were. It's like if you had your money invested in the stock market and you had a few bad days, but in three weeks you're back up to to over where you were at. Does the setback nice. really matter? Nope, nope, not at all. Okay, okay. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks, Dominic. Follow Thanks, up Dominic. too when you get the uh, surgery done. We'd love to hear how it goes and how you are uh, afterwards. 416 870 6400 star 640 on cell to ask your questions as well. Sheldon, thank you for hanging on. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for taking my sure, call. Sure. No worries. What's up? So I'm calling uh, on behalf of my wife. She's a little uh, shy. But, okay. Uh, she has uh, severe osteoarthritis in her big toe. Okay. Right now, she's using cannabis cream, which seems to relieve the pain a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and has been to an orthopedic surgeon who wants to put rods in her toe. Right. Um, she doesn't want rods in her toe, but we, we have researched a surgery called Cartiva surgery, um, which is done by a few doctors in the city, and there was a clinic that was offering this surgery for $7,500, but no longer offers it because it's now covered by OHIP. Right. The problem is... Um, it's going to take years for her to get into one of these surgeons to do this surgery. Okay. Um, is there, what does your clinic offer? Yeah, so we, we don't do surgery for that type of stuff. Um, uh, I've never even heard of the Cartiva surgery. I'm not familiar with it, so I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I would say the best option is, I, I mean, to think that it would take years, I don't know that it would take years. I think it's a matter of your family doctor looking for the available surgeons and who has earlier availability, but could it take up to a year? Yeah, it, no, it could. No, no, no. It, it, it's taking, uh, it, it's take, it's going to take a few years because there are only three doctors, apparently. Oh, I see. Who oh. do this in, in Toronto, and they, they implant um, cartilage. In oh, okay. Toe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's probably a newer procedure that not many people are doing. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't offer that. Um, so I, I would say, you know, the best, the best option, if that's what you want, just get in as... Get your name down on that list, and unfortunately, it's a waiting game. Yeah. In the meantime, how does she relieve the pain? Uh, the, the the ointment isn't that great. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the big part around this type of stuff is that those ointments and things like that, it, it's it's really going to do very little for for that type of help, right? Especially if there's inflammation going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would need to assess that that area in order to see. Uh, how bad it is in order to make the the appropriate recommendations. But in general, when it comes to these types of things, it's, yeah, topical creams like she's using, over-the-counter medications uh, for inflammation and pain, potentially icing or or hot for it, depending on what feels better uh, for her. And those are sort of the keeping some movement in it, some therapy. Those are really the only things you can do to manage the pain until eventually getting the the surgery. I see. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No problem. Okay, bye. Appreciate that. It's uh, 10.50. We'll take a short break. Hour one is almost done, but we're here for another hour, as you know. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have pain concerns, health concerns. Bring them on. That's why we are here till 12. Dr. Pangel, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 10.53, still a few minutes to go this hour, then all of the next hour to uh, make your phone calls, ask your questions, reach out to uh, to Dr. Lou here, info at paincarecanada.com or one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, get that consultation happening.
Right. And get the assessment happening, the assessment. which, Ben, why don't you tell them what it's like? All right. So uh, with the assessments, when you come in, um, so basically I'll introduce myself. I'm a doctor who's assistant, and then we go into the room, and I can explain to you what the his- Then we go through something called the history. So the history is where I ask you a lot of questions. A comprehensive history kind of goes through what you've been going through, where the pain is, and I'll ask a specific question, kind of pinpoint where the pain is. Uh, once I have an understanding of what your pain is or what the cause of diagnosis is, then I'll go into something called orthopedic tests. Um, or orthopedic testing, or we call it the physical examination. So with that, mm. we'll use orthopedic tests, and this is where I'll move the body around, testing specific joints, looking at specific functions, looking at what actually causes your pain. Um, so you'll have these tests, and then with these tests, it'll give me a better understanding of what's going on. Um, once I have a better understanding of what's going on, I'll kind of go back to Dr. Lou, debrief him, and then he'll come in and explain to you what exactly is going on. But through the whole process, um, you have the ability to ask questions, you have the right to know what's going on, exactly what's happening. Some tests will cause pain. Um, but again, it's within tolerance, but we won't actually try to, um, I guess you could say, um, we, we, we're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And again, these are all the orthopedic tests that gives us an idea. So from muscles, yeah. bones, joints, things like that. So it's, yeah, it, it, it stresses the importance of actually getting your hands on and yes, getting in there. Yes. You can't yeah. Just do it, and you know, so, things yeah. So person comes in, they're going to fill out their, their intake forms, right. which will include obviously their personal, some personal information as well as, um, some details about what's going on. Uh, the history is a comprehensive history. Like Ben said, it's really designed to start to point us in the right direction on what's going on. So after you've listened to someone talk, we're essentially detectives at that point where we're, we're sort of talking mm-hmm. to you. We're sort of putting things together. And through um, our education, we're putting together a, a pieces of the puzzle so that we start to come up with which, what's called a list of differentials, mm-hmm. things that we think could be causing this stuff. Uh, the physical exam is more than just orthopedic testing. It's functional testing, like just simply range of motion, things like that. It's also often includes neurological testing because mm-hmm. we need to make sure that everything's okay with the neurological system. Orthopedic tests are also part of it, depending on certain structures that we may be wanted to uh, stress. They're called provocative tests uh, because we're trying to provoke your issue. Essentially, when we're running through our testing, what we're trying to do is elicit the complaint that you've been living with. Uh, because when we can elicit it, we can understand the structure it's arising from. Uh, once we understand the structure it's arising from, uh, we are also, palpation is an important part of the diagnostic. So actually touching this area. And again, all of this is designed to figure out what is, where is this problem coming from? Um, you don't always get everything you need from a physical exam. You get a lot of it. That's why special testing exists, things like imaging, blood work, and other more advanced testing. So that that way, again, we, we come up after the history. You know, if, I, if someone says I've got knee pain and that's all we know on their forms, then my list of potential causes is tons, right? Mm-hmm. 20, 30 potential things. Through it. Now, all of a sudden, I hear someone talk and it's like, okay, now I'm done to, down to like 10 that I think it is. Okay. Then I've, I finish the physical exam. It's like, okay, it's probably one of these three things. Let's also get an MRI to rule out the potentially the meniscus. And then if not that, we know what it is. Or if it is the meniscus, then we know what it is. Okay. So we essentially come to a diagnosis is the whole point of this. Once we have a diagnosis, and I've always said this, Good diagnosis means you'll get the right treatment. It's oftentimes where people have the wrong diagnosis, they're getting the wrong treatment. Going right? down the because, wrong road. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's funny because everyone wants mm-hmm. to jump to treatment. People don't understand what their problem is, but they're already calling in saying, I want to get shockwave therapy. It's like, yeah, but if you don't know what's wrong with you, why are you jumping to a treatment intervention? That's the job of the professional. So that's where we make the recommendations at that point saying, here are the options that you have. It's often not one thing, but a multitude of things. And it's also your choice on which things you 
you want to do. I can't force anyone to do anything, but I can definitely stress the importance of doing the things that I'm suggesting for its potential benefit. Okay. And as a practitioner, I always weigh risks and benefit of any intervention, right? Every, every type of therapy has an inherent amount of risk yep. to it. There is nothing that is risk-free. The question becomes for the patient and the practitioner, or sorry, yes, for the patient and the practitioner, is is the potential benefit going to outweigh the potential risk? And I don't just look for, yeah, well, it outweighs it by like two to one, right? Like that's not enough. It's got to like outweigh it by like a hundred to one, wow. right? So, and and if it does, then that's the recommendations we're going to make. Then we come up with a plan of management. What, that plan of management is those things that we've discussed. You follow through with it. And this is the part where it falls on the patient because if you don't follow through with what's going on and you don't get better, guess whose problem that is and that's whose right. fault that is, right? Like. Yeah. You can only show somebody the light and the path. They have to walk the path. Exercise some patience when it comes to all this. It's going to take some time, right? Of course. It's going to take time. In some instances, it might not take as much time. If you just happen to roll your ankle this weekend and you call me on Monday and you see me on Tuesday or Wednesday and we get you treated, you might be better in three weeks. But if you've been listening and you've had chronic pain for 20 years... Are you likely that to time. Be, are you likely to get better in three weeks? No, probably right. not, because you have to appreciate that it's it took you so long to get where you are that to get out of it, you know, is probably going to take double the time. Right. And you may never get out of it fully. It's just really about management. We'll take a uh, short one into our what would be the normal regular hour of the Doctor Pain Show. Ed, I see you there. Hang on the line. We will get to you and your phone calls as well. Okay, Ed just walked away. You can call back Ed if you want. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Doctor Pain Show continues. Right Right till 12 o'clock right here. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And 11.03, we are into the second hour of the special edition, two-hour edition of the Dr. Payne Show. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You got uh, calls for Dr. Lou or Ben, the uh, the protege here for the uh, the, the following building. hours. Way in the building. I'm in the building. You might take I a gig just, eventually. I could just stay home. <laughs> no. I'm going to just stay home. I wouldn't let you do that. No. I know Ed was there. Ed, uh, Ed went something away. about like I should really read. Ed Slacker call I, back. <laughs> I should really read the screens, but it was something about osteoarthritis of the okay. knee, right? So, so same type of thing that we've t- been talking about with OA of the knee or arthritis of the knee. Um, mild to moderate, right? Is there's better there's options for you that you can manage it. Now, the important thing to remember about osteoarthritis is it's a progressive. Um, a progressive process, I guess. Worse with time. <laughs> yes, it happens. It's worse with time. So um, it's important that uh, um, that you understand that, right? Because people are always wondering, well, is there anything I can do to reverse this? Uh, no, unfortunately. There is some stuff happening in the States, like with stem, stem cell injections, where the thought is that potentially it might cause regeneration and things like that. It doesn't happen here, so we're not going to comment on it, right? Like, right. I don't I don't know enough about it to make any comments. I haven't seen any research. Uh, but as of right now, osteoarthritis in the knee in, in Ontario, it's a progressive process that people have. It's often obviously worse with age, and you can have mild to moderate. Now, here's the important thing about arthritis, and we've talked about this. Not everybody that has very bad arthritis has very bad pain, pain. right? Yeah. Because pain mm-hmm. is a subjective thing. But definitely function. If it's affecting your function and pain, there are options for the pain, um, all the way from things like therapy in the beginning, strengthening exercises, all the way to more serious injections like cortisone and um, and PRP injections and some other types of injections that also exist. And then eventually the knee replacement, if that's something that's required. But um, you know, it, it's 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 a very it affects a lot of people in the osteoarthritis. Um, 
justifiably so. It's a hinge joint between two very mobile Mm -hmm. segments. So from a purely engineering perspective, it's going to take a lot of abuse on one side. uh, And that abuse is going to lead to diminished joint space. That diminished joint space is going to create sort of a bone-on-bone contact, which causes inflammation, which causes pain. I make it sound so simple. So simple. <laughs> Let's move up a little bit. Uh, we'll get to uh, to Gord here. Hey, Gord, thanks for calling in, pal. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, thanks. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Hi. Um, uh, so my problem is uh, I have uh, some stiffness in my left leg. And uh, so uh, when I stand up and uh, say I raise my leg and grab my knee with both hands, okay. I, I, I can't pull my leg all the way back. Back or forward? Uh, back. Okay, so you're grab. I'm trying to visualize this. You're lifting your leg up. You're grabbing your knee, and you're trying to pull up towards your chest. Correct. So that would be forward. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And so uh, I, I no no problem with my right leg, but my left leg. Uh, so um, uh, so when I'm moving around, uh, it, it feels better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, so just a quick little bit of background. I I I had an arthroscopic procedure on this uh, a knee, the, the left knee, yep. about, about ten years ago. Okay. And um, so then uh, after the arthroscopic procedure, I could, uh, um, um, I had, an, you know, a little bit of problem flexing the leg. So I went to see a uh, physiotherapist and after a few sessions, it, I, nothing happened. I, it didn't work. So then I, I saw a chiropractor for a few sessions for what I call ART, uh, active release therapy. And that, that helped a lot. Good. So everything went away. Yeah, good. And I think uh, because of the... Uh, prolonged sitting for long hours at work uh, over the last uh, five years or so, five, yeah, uh, this st- stiffness uh, uh, is there and I can't seem to get rid of it. I was thinking of coming to see you for an assessment at some point. I think that's a good idea. Uh, so I just looked up your website. Uh, you're at 115 Humber College Boulevard. I think it's accessible by TTC, right? Yeah, so yep. we're and and there's a few other places that I'm doing the assessments in right now as well in Brampton and Newmarket, but yeah, m- primarily at the hospital there at uh, 115 Humber College Boulevard, Suite 712, so top y- floor. Sorry, you're actually in the Etobicoke General Hospital. There's the wellness center the, the that's attached the big to new the building hospital. Adjacent yeah, to it, yeah, yeah, it's part. It's all on the hospital grounds. Yes, and it's easily accessible by TTC. It is. Yeah. Yep. Well, Humber College is there. It's off of Highway 27. Tons of. Uh, public transportation in the area. So, so I'll just go to the, uh, either call the number or go to the website and... and yeah, call the number, send me an email. Um, when you do call, leave your, your contact information uh, and someone will get back to you. Uh, sometimes it's me, but since we've already spoken, it, it's, it'll probably be somebody in the team that uh, uh, will give you a call and help you book that assessment. Uh, that's all I have, and thank okay, you. Okay, no problem. Help. Thank you. Lord, appreciate that. See, did a little bit of research. I didn't Knows even the do address. anything. You didn't do he didn't even ask me a question. He's coming just to simply, see you. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a beautiful good. thing. We should make that as well. That uh, that new uh, that new building on the hospital grounds is now open. Almost, like, yeah, it's almost full. So you got the you got the top floor, but that's where your clinic is. Not now. the You're whole not top a, floor. A piece <laughs> of it anyway. Well, it's not that's a like, massive that's building, like but eighty thousand square feet. Right. But yeah, no, there, we we have you know six thousand square feet of right. that space. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So Gord, there, that's like that's a person who understands the way this works. One one of the things that is sometimes. A little frustrating is, and I've had a few emails about this where it's like, you know, I have knee pain, like some general email. I've got knee pain, a little bit of history. Uh, what do you recommend? I need to assess people. The, yeah. the, the consultation is really designed to determine if I am the best person to 
to assess this issue. Like if you, we, I've had people and we've had people that call with gynecological issues. Right. I am not the best person yep. to deal with that. So there's, I wouldn't want people just booking in for an assessment without me saying, yeah, I think that's something that I can assess. And people will often say, yeah, but your, your website says free consultation. The consultation is free. I could determine based on an email mm-hmm. with your description, whether it's something I should assess or when I talk to you on the phone like right. this, that whether, you know, it's a knee issue, it sounds musculoskeletal. Yeah. It's something that I can help you deal with. My team can help you deal with. Uh, but the assessment, I, I spend, you know, when it's all said and done, it could be over an hour with, with people, um, giving them the information they need. And one of the things that I think, I mean, and I think Ben can vouch for this, one mm. of the things that I think people appreciate the most is how much explaining do I do, Ben? You do a lot of explaining. Also, you can draw pictures. I always find that interesting because yeah. people are like, Mold school. They, they kind of sit there and they're wondering like what's going on and they have to look in the face. You're like, wait, wait, come over here. You'll grab a pen and paper and you actually draw out the structures from them and show them exactly what's going on. I feel like that really highlights little stick men. The reason why I like drawing, so I obviously could use like really sophisticated programs Mm -hmm. on the computer Mm -hmm. and show these things. But when someone like when you pull up a body on a computer, it's daunting for someone to see. It's like, whoa, that that's a lot of information. Like I draw the simple things. If it's a problem with the bone, I draw like a simple thing of what a bone would be. uh, And then I show them what happens with degeneration or if a ligament tears or whatever thing. And people seem to really appreciate it. And the biggest, one of the biggest, um, again, around research for injury, pain, rehabilitation, all those things is often where is the efficacy? So where are the things that really work well? One one thing that consistently shows up is education and empowerment mm-hmm. is a very important thing for people to have when they've yes. sustained any type of injury or going through anything because the knowledge is helpful for them in understanding what's wrong because it can make them know a, what they have to do to be better. It also makes them understand the things they shouldn't do yep. that could potentially make them worse. And it also gives them peace of mind. That's a very important component to, 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 to just know a little bit is like, okay, finally, sometimes it's the process of not knowing is worse than actually knowing. I forget who the, uh, the recent, uh, like celebrity was that was just diagnosed with MS. Um, but she, I remember her saying in an interview, like what was worse about the whole process was that throughout like years of symptoms where she had no answers, finally she had an answer. And that's an important thing. It provides a lot of peace of mind for people. Plenty of time for you to call in, and we'll switch to uh, lower back in our conversation when we come back. But you can call about whatever ails you, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1115, the Dr. Payne Show, one 55 drlou to get that assessment consultation happening. Turn on your mic yeah, and there you go. There oh, you there go. you go. Before we get to the call, yeah. so we were talking about the celebrity uh, that has that MS, and I couldn't remember because yeah. I'm not well-versed in that stuff. But my my wife, right away, never any input for the show, ever. <laughs> I've never had any information ever given. I wasn't even sure that she ever listened. But as soon as she heard me say that, immediately, right. Salima Blair is the celebrity that has MS is the message. So Thanks, she's Jocelyn. keeping me up to date with all the e-talk stuff, keeping Good. up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Thank you, good. Jocelyn. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> she's on the, well at least you know she listens now right yeah now i know she's listening mikey good morning hello mike. all right hi mike hi um thanks for taking the call no I, worries I, no I problem. Had a, a chronic problem with my foot and ankle okay and they're talking about doing a total fusion like a triple aphrodisis and i've got some concerns because i have shark and tooth and my kneecaps aren't exactly the mm. the greatest they're yeah. kind of off on an angle and uh, it put a lot more stress on the knees. And at right. 62 now, I just wonder if there's any 
Uh, like I've been checking on the internet, there's about 50% of the people having those kind of operations aren't very happy with it. So Yeah, so here, let, let me quiz Ben on something. Ben, what is often, when there's fusion of an area, what is what is the trade-off? Well, you when you fuse an area, then you're lacking um, mobility in that yes. area. So then you reduce your range of motion, so other things start to compensate. Yeah. So if it's the foot itself... Um, it could affect the knee, it could affect the hip. It really depends Correct. on the person you take yeah. case by case. So Mike, Ben is right. That is often the trait. So a lot of times with the fusion surgeries, which are sometimes absolutely necessary because of the pain that people are mm -hmm. enduring, right? You can yeah. definitely fuse an area and remove the pain because then that area is not moving anymore. But you have to understand that the body is a kinetic, a kinetic object. It's a kinetic chain. So it wants to dissipate forces. So where there's a lack of mobility, it will try to find that somewhere else. And, and chances are, it sounds like there's probably a lack of mobility in, in other structures as well. So as you limit the motion of it, you're going to create more and more stiffness. So that's something, and I'm not suggesting you shouldn't have it done. I'm just simply making you aware that that's often the trade-off is that you're, you're trading um, the mobility that you would likely have if you didn't do that, that surgery, which I'm not saying, again, I really want to reiterate that you shouldn't because I don't know your case enough. Uh, but yeah, that, really that's like sort the of right uh, part of my foot just takes in string pain because that's where all the weight bearing is. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, yeah, and it's likely that excessive motion that's happening in that degenerated joint that's causing the immense amount of pain. So that's why the fusion is likely going to be really good for that pain. But could it cause other pain? Yeah, absolutely. That that's mm -hmm. that's the trade off that you you'll have to consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. I've been talking to a surgeon about things. So Yeah, and then that's usually the best option, right? Is yeah. and I tell that to people. Don't don't be no surgeon there's no surgeon that wants poor outcomes for their patients ever. Yeah. So it's all it's very important to have that open conversation, uh, because you can get the answers that you that you need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mike, appreciate the call. You want to follow up at a later time. I'd love to hear oh. from you. And uh, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale for you as well to call in for a remainder of this show until uh, 12 o'clock. Oh, you got an update, did you? Yeah, because okay. it's not Salima Blair. It's Selma Blair. Selma Blair. So right. she's corrected me because that's what I mean. Even that I did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is amazing. Is Look who point? she's got to deal with. She Blame should call in. Gal. She's she never been. Call in. She's never been. On, yeah. Has she been been here? I'm not uh, even sure. I think physically she's been here, but has she ever contributed on air to the show? I don't think that's ever no. happened. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take a, a short break, guys. Your phone calls still have time. Bring them on. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show till 12 o'clock. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1122. Yeah, right till 12 o'clock is where we go. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell to ask your questions for the remainder of the show. Lower back. That is good times right there. The old lower back. It's going to be Ben's bread and butter one day. Really? Yeah, yeah when I graduate, um. You want to do lower back, back stuff? Yeah, you'll never be out of business, my friend. So, so Ben, best approach for low back pain. Mechanical low back pain. Well, low back pain, best approach. So if you're looking at acute low back pain, um, you can do things like spine manipulative therapy, rest reassurance is also good for the back as well. But a what lot is that? Rest reassurance? Yeah. So it's kind of explain to the patient, educating them exactly what the process is. So a lot of low back pain after about three weeks tends to get better. But if it doesn't, that's when you want to consult a medical professional kind of figure out other options for you. But um, you can tell a person to rest. That's one of the options they have. But there's other things they could do to help manage the pain itself. Um, from exercises, so you could do like core bracing, can strengthen the muscles within the midsection, do a lot of stretches. And the best thing, the best case is kind of keep the back moving. I know it's going to mm -hmm. be painful, but working within a certain pain tolerance, you don't want to aggravate it. 
some people want to really go hard, you know, do want to go heavy with their exercise. But again, it's more of like neuromuscular training. You want to train the body to kind of almost work through the pain itself. So you're kind of moving, but you're not necessarily kind of like over-aggravating. So some movement's also good for the body. You always said rest doesn't necessarily, or doesn't mean sedentary. It doesn't mean lying. No, yes. active That's, rest yeah, is active an important thing. Yeah. Active right. rest is an important thing. Ben is very right that, so when we're dealing with mechanical causes of, of back pain, low back pain, in acute to subacute um, scenarios, that's when the passive therapies are definitely uh, very worthwhile. Things like uh, spinal manipulative therapy, physiotherapy, uh, modality treatments, ART, uh, muscular release, soft tissue therapies, mm-hmm. over-the-counter medications, for sure. As we move towards the chronicity of that, and hopefully it doesn't get there, but if it does... That's where the focus needs to be more on the active care, which active meaning more on the part of the patient, the exercises, the rehabilitation, uh, the proper lifestyle changes in order to manage it. So there, there's definitely a big uh, shift in the who is who is really dictating that care. So in those acute scenarios, that's when professionals like Ben become very important uh, to manage it in that acute scenario. But long term. Um, Although a professional like Ben would still be involved yep. in the management, it is something that you have to be doing every day, multiple times a day. Even if you saw Ben once a week, mm-hmm. that is not enough because your body is with you 24 hours a day and that pain is likely going to be there 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. So you need to be intervening multiple times a day with the right things that Ben will show you to do. And I so use that, my sister-in-law's example. Perfect right? example. Yeah. So <laughs> so that that is that is definitely the shift in focus when it comes to low back pain. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Randy, good morning. Hello, it's Randy. How are you? Good, fellow. What's going on with you? I've had this uh, occasional uh, numbness on the left side of my face, and it's been happening on and off for maybe a year, maybe a little longer. Nowhere else in my body, just that one section on my face. Okay, and have you had it checked out? I've had an MRI, and I've had different tests done um in the past yeah and and everything seemed to come out clear like you know they good. checked the, the arteries and yeah good. But, but, I, but i do have an appointment with a neurologist yeah who ordered the mri uh that was my doctor in uh in muskoka okay and and did and they said that the mri was normal or is there a finding no they didn't uh, as far as I know, they didn't see anything wrong. Okay, and so you're seeing a neurologist, yeah. So, so I mean, numbness in the face, yeah. It's it, it's the right approach is being taken where something seriously neurological should be ruled out first, like an acute like a scenario. Bell's palsy, or yeah. So if if that happens out of nowhere, well, Bell's palsy is a little bit different because it's the facial nerve which only has motor innervation. Right. Um. Uh. But or does it? Does it also have a sensory component? Now I can't remember. I was thinking about the Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy. I kind of thought about that. It does have, yeah, it does have sensory. That's right to the to the to the lower part of the face. Um, so yeah, but even Bell's palsy, Bell's palsy would be paralysis of that nerve. So that's not what you're describing. So we're talking about paresthesia, which means an altered sensation, whether that's numbness, tingling, pins and needles, sometimes referred to as formication because it feels like there's a lot of bugs on you, and formica coming from the Latin term for insect. Uh, that's my Italian in me. I just, <laughs> 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 um, so, so 
you know, the, the important thing is, yes, is there in an acute scenario, it's like, well, is there something really bad going on, like a stroke? Obviously, this has been going on for a period of time, so it doesn't sound like it's that because you would have known. Then it's like, well, could it be a degenerative neurological problem, like, you know, something like MS? Uh, same thing, if the MRI is clear, then that's a very good sign. Um, and seeing a neurologist is probably just likely to make sure of that. But mechanical things can also cause that. So you do have um, uh, referral pain that can happen from the neck, uh, into the face area, which can feel like numbness and tingling or paresthesia, just based on simple muscular referral. Uh, and so those are things that need to be considered. So I think you've done the right thing by having the serious things ruled out. I, I think it'd be worthwhile for you to also see me and see if there's a mechanical cause to that issue. We could also run through, you know, someone like you, I would do a whole bunch of neurological testing as well, just to make sure that there's nothing uh, more serious going on. Okay, so I'm located in Aurelia, and yep. where are you? So I see patients in Etobicoke, but I could also, a step closer is, is new market for you. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and it, would this be covered under the, uh, the plan? All right, 80 fitness one, please, for Smith. Sorry? Sorry, I'm just I'm driving, I'm driving taxi. <laughs> no problem. So what did you say? Um, so I guess if, he, if I could get your uh, number in new market, I would maybe come down. Yeah, so just give us a call at the one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Um, and mentioned that you'd like to see me in the New Market Clinic, and we'll we'll coordinate that. Okay, eight five uh, sorry eight five five one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U five Doctor Lou L O U. You got it. You owe us nothing. We call Doctor Lou. Thank you very much. Okay, yeah, thanks, care. Randy. Bye. Appreciate that. See, that's how it works, son. Done. Yeah. And and so and this is an important thing that with any any time you have symptoms. It is always worthwhile to make sure that it's the most serious causes that are ruled out first, first. Yep. right? And a good example of that is even like chest pain, right? Chest pain can be caused, left-sided chest pain could be caused by a simple mechanical issue like a rib problem in behind on that left side. But you don't jump to that on day one unless no. you're certain that there's nothing wrong with the heart and the lung underneath. Um, so that's what we do. When we look at someone, I am differentially diagnosing them. I'm considering always the more serious causes and making sure that it doesn't sound like now a lot of those things are just picked up on history and physical exam. So it's not like you need all these tests to figure out all this stuff, but definitely if, if you want to make sure those things are important, but um, you know, this is a perfect example where uh, some scary symptoms can oftentimes uh, be due to mechanical issues as well. Not, not just simply very scary things. 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell. That is the number to reach through for the remainder of the show. Ask your questions as well. For Ben and Dr. Lou here on the Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 11.33, right back at her till 12 o'clock, and he is back. Park the car inside safely. Ed, how are you, pal? Fine, thanks. What's going on with you? Um, a year and a half ago, I had my uh, knee replaced, and uh, the first couple of months I was doing fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, ever since, I did all my physio and everything. I still have the pain. And um, I still do my exercises, but I still have pain and uh, my knee's collapsing. I can't walk right. Have you continued to do harder exercises than when you used to do? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Have you gone back to see the surgeon? I did about two or three months ago. And yep. uh, I was told there's nothing uh, he can do. Everything, he just took x-rays. Everything seems to be fine. Mm. But uh, there's nothing more he can do. So, so what's the question for me then? Um, well, I wonder what uh, what else I can do. 
I, I would have to honestly assess you. So not not all surgeries go as planned, number one. It sounds like that this one may have gone as planned, but this is the other thing about that surgery is often great for function, but may not necessarily be the best option for just pain management. Uh, so I would have to see you. I'd have to see your knee uh, and make recommendations for that point. of view. It's, it's too hard for me to comment on that over over the airwaves here. Okay. Um, what I was told too, after all, I'm 80 years old, and then, uh, yeah. you know, but um, six years ago, uh, I had my right knee done at Mount Sinai. Yep. Four months later, I was golfing. Hmm. You were also eight years younger, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like things, things change. Yeah. Health changes, uh, and and maybe that that was more the appropriate treatment for the issue. It, it just really depends. See, the problem is, is a lot of people get knee replacements or or surgery when it's not like if there's no structural issue which i'm sure there was i'm not i'm not suggesting yeah. there was there's just so many variables that are involved and you know once i know 6 years or 7 years doesn't seem a lot in the grand scheme of overall 80 total years but when you look at it in relation to the last 10 years it's significant right so that that can definitely make a change on prognosis okay okay but come yeah. see me and we can we can take a look at it. Ed, appreciate the call again. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U to reach out. Got uh, Manny. Hey Manny, thanks for hanging on. How are you? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, good, good buddy. Go ahead. So I'm I'm 37 years old. Um, my knees always uh, had some pain and issues with my knees. So right now, the best way to explain is so you know if you have a tinted window glass and you smash it with the hammer and then you touch the glass and the sound that it makes. Okay. That's the oh, sound yeah. my knees make when I go up down the stairs. Okay. It's like grinding and it's like um, like in a rubbing kind of sound. Yeah. And okay. I've gone to the doctor, I did the MRIs, I did all that and they told me there's some water in the on the joint, like on the top of the kneecap area. Yeah. And I haven't gone any further than that. Is okay. There, I, I, honestly, I, have, uh, I don't know what to do is something I should come and see you for? Or is yeah. That, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to see you to assess the need to figure out uh, uh, what the potential cause is. I mean, when you when I hear symptoms like crunching, okay. uh, that often to me suggests either a, an extreme weakness where there's just a lot of mobility or it's, it's degeneration. But you seem a little young at 37 for it to be that significant. Having said that, my knees, I'm 33 and my knees are just as bad for nice. arthritis so so it's not impossible so yeah come see me and we'll take a look at it okay i'll do that okay thank is, you thanks manny yeah go ahead before that you guys go. yeah is, is this all hip covered or is that additional and extra you gotta pay yeah so the my assessment is 75 dollars uh and then treatment really depends on what the recommendation is like if i think you need to have surgery for something then that's covered through ohip if i think you need to have therapy instead then that is not covered through ohip extended insurance covers? You? Yes, yeah, 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 of course. Okay, perfect. Thank okay, you. no problem. Thanks, Manny. Appreciate the call. Uh, Paul, Jason, we'll get to you guys as well right now. In fact, we'll move on to uh, to Paul. we still got some time. Hey, Paul, how are you, pal? Not too bad. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, What uh, What ails you? I have uh, spinal stenosis with mm-hmm. narrowing of the spinal canal, and the pain is, well, the pain medication I'm on doesn't quite do it, and I have a lot of pain next to my joints. It's not the joints, but it's next to it. And it never goes away. Okay. Ben, what do you think? What do I think? Um, so, so Paul, do, do you feel any symptoms going down your leg? Or just mainly in the low back area? Well, it's uh, the cirrhosis at the top. It's in, at my neck. Oh, um, at your neck. Okay. And um, mal- Okay. Sorry, keep going, Paul. It's a malformation of the spine. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's been, it's been, my doctors tried to find a neurosurgeon, but nobody will take it. How old are you, Paul? Mm. Uh, 56. 56, yeah. I mean, stenosis in the neck creates problems throughout the whole body. You probably yeah. have um, the opposite that you would have if you had, so typically when stenosis happens in the low back, those people get diminished reflexes and weakness, whereas you probably have uh, hyperreflexia and and also uh, rigidity and tone is very tight, uh, and yeah. you probably get a lot of shooting pains and things like that, probably yeah. throughout your whole body, not just your legs. You might even get it in and around your abdomen and your chest. Am I right? I get it everywhere. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. get it in my chest, but yeah, almost everywhere yeah. else. Mm. Yeah, so that that's a tough one when it comes to central stenosis. Um, you, surgery is often, it really depends though. You're, the, 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 the neck surgery is no joke. Like it's not... It's not a simple procedure. So uh, for surgeons to want to go in there, I'm assuming the reason why no one would want to take it on is you might not have any neurological problems yet. But I I would have to see you. I think it's worthwhile for you to come see me. We do a neurological exam and sort of assess where it's at um, and and sort of go from there. And then I could see if there's anything else that can be done. Okay. Okay. Thank you. No Appreciate problem. it, Paul. And uh, to reach out, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. But in the uh, the immediate amount of time till twelve o'clock, you can call here the radio station and get some answers as well. Jason, I see you there. Hang on, and your calls in the last uh, few minutes. Twenty to go. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Doctor Payne Show, Global News Radio six forty Toronto. It is eleven forty two. Doctor Payne Show four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. Jason, thank you, fella, for hanging on. How are you today? I'm great, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my No worries. Go ahead. Uh, What's been troubling me, I guess, the past seven or eight months is I have a a severe case of epicondylitis that seems to just come and go Mm -hmm. for for no rhyme or reason. Uh, It's bad to the point that when I do get it, I can't even hold a coffee cup. It's okay. extremely painful to make any sort of clasping or or grabbing motions. Are you right or left-handed? I'm right-handed. And is it on the right or left side? It's on my right. It's on my right side. And what do you do for work? Well, I work in a bank, so I don't do any, and this was kind of the next point I was getting to, I don't do any strenuous sports. I don't do anything that would potentially aggravate it. So I guess. That you know of. There is, there's got to be something that caused it though, but nonetheless, okay. Yeah, nonetheless, there's nothing that I know in my daily routine that could potentially aggravate it. So I guess. My question is for an, counting all that bank money. You don't use your. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish. I wish that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. But I guess what my question is is what can uh, what can really aggravate it if I'm not really per se doing any strenuous exercise. Yeah. Well, it, it might have been like a one-time thing that caused it. And I think it, I think you mentioned that you haven't done anything for it. Well, it's been I. Initially, when I went to the doctor, I was prescribed muscle relaxers. Yeah, well, the, I'm not, no. I'm not too keen on No, so so get physical problems need a physical intervention. You need to get that worked on physically. That's your best option uh, to getting it better. So uh, it needs to, I can look at it for sure, uh, but my, like, my likely recommendation will be that it needs to get manual therapy on it to really strip those muscles, those tendons out, start to release some pressure. But I see you're in Etobicoke. We have two clinics there. Come see me. We'll we'll get that better, and we have a lot of tools at our disposal. The good thing is we also have surgeons that deal with the upper extremity in the event that you might need like an injection or something like that to uh, to help uh, along with the recovery. Is there any reason that you would know that I get acute pain when I do have it, but then just as fast as it comes, it goes nothing for maybe two or three months, and then 
it's sort of reoccurring again. And it's kind yeah, of so really- that to me suggests like inflammatory for some reason. Uh, I'd have to look at it, but it, that's not your your symptoms. Your description is not is not unique. Let's just put it that way. So it, it's not like I've never heard that before. Uh, I just don't think you've done the right things so far for the treatment, which is not your fault. You haven't been recommended it, but come see me and we, we can get you on the on the right treatments. Uh, one last question, though. What's your opinion on, uh, on cortisone shots? Uh, sometimes uh, important, but not always. So it might be something, uh, but I would say as a first line of defense, it's never the go-to. Uh, I would say that the f- the physical therapy is is the first line of defense. Is it true that there is, could be like uh, some side effects that are potentially negative from that? Well, everything has potentially negative side effects, but uh, that's where we would need to weigh the options, right? Like understand it's not something that I would typically jump to, but if it's persistent and not getting better, the advantage of cortisone is it can help to dissipate inflammation quickly. And, and if we need to do that to achieve a result, it might be worth the risk. Which you know yeah. the risk of an injection is lo- infection and things like that, yeah. but it, it's those are the risks. Like we mentioned, those risks, but everything is done under a sterile environment, of course, right? So it's not it's not like we're using like a used needle or whatever. They would all be brand new needles, things like that. But <laughs> but that's but again, don't don't jump to a treatment intervention without being sure of the diagnosis. Because the other thing is you're assuming it's tennis elbow. It might be something else that creates a similar type of symptomology. Right. Okay. Yep. Now, what I have to say, because right now it's okay, would you be able to still yep. diagnose it if I'm not having pain? Yeah, of right course. Yeah, if it's there, I'll find it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, thanks. So no problem. Look it up and make an appointment. Yep. Appreciate your time. No problem. Today. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate that. Again, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U and uh, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Uh, I have a pain in the neck. <laughs> I had a neck problem, uh, five, six, and seven is kind of uh, fused. And uh, I used to go to Oakville, and they had a bed that you lay down, and they pull your neck and release. That really worked. Traction table? Yeah. Do you have that? I've been on it. Um, I I don't know if it was a traction table or if you were on a decompression machine, though. So I'm not... What you do, like you lay on on the stable... Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so regardless if it's traction or decompression, both exist, yes. Um, we have a traction table. We At our clinics, we do do it for the low back. Uh, we do manual traction for the neck just because it's the neck, right? Like machines yep. can yeah. pull the neck uh, off. So. Neck the problem. Like, yeah. Last time uh, I had a, a bike crash, my collarbone was yeah. broke, so it's kind of changed it. And I do a lot of bike rides. After about a 60, 70K, it really gets sore. Yeah, so the the other thing is don't always assume that the pain requires the same intervention to feel better. But you can feel the same type of pain from different sources. So, um, you know, I would still say it's worthwhile to get to get that checked on. So why not yeah. come see me and let's... I see you're in Georgetown. That's very close. Our, our Brampton Clinic is right on the border uh, at Steeles and Mississauga Road. I, I can see you there and, and sort of go, yeah. Uh, do you have a phone number for there? Or? Yeah, yeah we'll I'm going to give it to you. Uh, give it to you right now, Michael. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou. D R L O U. You mentioned you mentioned bike riding, and I do a lot of cycling. You got to figure if you're on a bike like this, you're always looking up. Your neck a lot is of and after four hours. You're like, oh man, my neck is killing yeah, me. Very you, common, yeah. right? Yep. You don't need a neck problem for uh, for that one. Got uh, Frank in line. Hey, Frank. Good morning. 
Uh, good morning. Um, I had a knee replacement about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And now when I'm skiing and I wait, it's my right knee. And when I wait on it, I get a ping on it. Yeah. Now, initially, I was very unhappy with, uh, uh, with my initial knee surgery. I did need a, another procedure called a debridement, which mm-hmm. I, the surgeon refused to do, to do. And I had to go and find another surgeon. So as you probably know, no surgeon likes to take up where another one has left. No, absolutely but de- not. But the debridement worked very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, now I'm, actually, I'm just coming from the gym now from a spinning class, so I'm spinning for an hour. But uh, when, 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 I, when I ski, when I wait, wait for the weight on the right leg, I, I get I get a ping on my knee. Is there yeah. anything I can do for that? I do. I suppose I need to get back and see the surgeon. Well, you, so here's the statistic: eighty-two um, percent or eighty-six percent. I forget the exact number of knees that are replaced yeah. need to be replaced within fifteen years, which means that half that number is below fifteen years, and half that number is above fifteen right. years to get yeah. to that average. So you're at eight, right? So. Could it just be the fact that it's it's starting to get towards the end of its life? And so the question becomes, when do knees last more than 15 years and when do knees last less? Oftentimes they last less when people are very active. And it sounds like all the things you're doing are very active. It is still a mechanical piece that has a half-life. It wears down and you might just have been going through it sooner uh, than someone who did nothing. Now, I'm not suggesting you should have done nothing, but it might just be the reality of the situation. So we'd have to see where it's at, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I think I'll make an appointment to come yep, in. Yeah, sounds see. good. I am, and I do play a lot of tennis. Yeah, well. so you're active, oh, yeah, which is great. good, but that yeah. does mean that, that, that again, if if most are replaced within 15 years, if, 50, if, if 86 of them, then that means there's a portion of them that get replaced mm-hmm. sooner, too, to get that average. Yeah, and I okay. am almost seventy-two, but I'm. A, I know I'm a. But it's better person. that you're active. So I, I, I'm not saying don't do stuff. Yeah, it's it just up. we have to understand. It's it's just about like understanding the reality of the situation. Okay. Okay. Well, Thanks, thank Frank. You very much. Yeah, no thank you very much. It's like brakes on a car. The more you drive, the more they're going to wear out. Right. Yeah. Same that's thing. Right. I uh, still got some time here to call in four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Doctor Payne Shill till twelve. Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Special two hour edition of the Doctor Payne Show. Appreciate all your calls and more of them on the way. Ralda, good morning. Hello. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? Good morning, you. G- um, good, you. Sorry. <laughs> I. You know what? Without even talking to me, I think you should just see me. I'm a yep. perfect candidate for you. I think you're right. I can. I'm reading it here. Was in an accident. Back pain. Has osteoarthritis. Yes. Yeah. If you want answers, I need to see you for sure. Yes. Yep. Definitely. definitely. Okay. So um, it started when I was hit by two trucks and a car on the highway, and I live to tell about it. Wow. Okay. Good. Sorry to hear about that. And uh, this is I'm um, going back in 1999, but I oh, still wow. had nobody treated me right, and yeah. I I'm with all these pains in my knees and my back and my legs and my groin, and, and now I'm I'm having pain in my chest, but it's not my heart. I had all those tests done. I had good. MRI. I had you name it. I yeah, had it. Good, good. And what I am feeling now, I was diagnosed with H. pylori chronic, H. pylori virus mm. by the time they get to me. So yep. now I'm going through a whole series of terrible things on my chest. Yeah, right. But my, my, my pain comes, come, is coming from my, my back, the upper back. Yep. I, I hurt the upper back badly and my lower back. I'm mm. a mess. 
Let's put it. Yeah. So I mean, the spine. Remember, the spine has all our nervous system, which means those nerves are the nerves that go to the body, which are also the things that we feel. So I mean, even a lot of people that get chest pain can oftentimes be. Uh, pseudo cervicogenic angina, which just essentially means like mimicked uh, heart pain, but caused from the neck, and that's yeah. common with you know degenerative arthritis and and deconditioning and wear and tear in those areas. So yeah, I, I, it sounds like you have a lot of mechanical issues going on. Uh, come see me. Let's work through it. You know, the reality about these situations is. You know, are you going to see me and do what I tell you and be 100% better? No, but I think most people like you um, that have lived through this type of stuff, you're not looking for 100% better. You're looking for, well, how can I manage it so that at least I can enjoy my life day to day? And and there's definitely a solution for that. And I have an autistic child that I have to look at. I mean, he's 42, but he's still a child. So, you know, I need to be well. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So come see me and let's let's see if we can add anything to your program uh, to help uh, maintain you. Good call, Ronald. Appreciate that. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. And i got time for uh, for Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Good, uh, good morning. Morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, my problem is uh, uh, having a, a thumping song in my left ear. At, at, it comes on at night, and I've been to many, many doctors. can give me an answer what causes that uh, thumping song. That something like a heartbeat sound. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. Sometimes, I mean, there's there are vessels all over your body, and sometimes you can feel the heartbeat, right? Like you don't just take a heart rate at the at the wrist; it can exist in right. in multiple areas, and sometimes you might actually feel it. Have you ever tried to time it to like feel your wrist or your carotid pulse and see if it corresponds with that? Uh, no, not really. Do you have high blood pressure? I do, yes. I- yeah, so that, that might be what you're feeling. So, But again, I'm not an expert in ears, nose, and throat. That's where an ENT comes into play. Uh-huh. Sounds like you've probably seen those people. Uh-huh. But if you're saying it sounds like a heartbeat, it might be your blood pressure, and it might be because your blood pressure is high. So something to consider. Uh, the blood pressure is, uh, is pretty low. I've seen uh, my... You just said it was high. Well, I do have high blood pressure. Yeah, okay. Um is is is, is uh, I, I monitor it every day or test it. So is it high or is it low? Low. It's uh, normal. <laughs> I would say. You just said it was high, though. I'm I'm confused. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. <laughs> it can be high. It can be high. It can, be it can also be low. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I think first you, we need we need to figure out if it's high or it's low. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I would say seeing an ENT is is your best option for that. Uh, I've seen three of them. Oh, then four. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, not my specialty the the ear stuff and the the nose stuff. So uh, this is why consultation is important. I don't think me and my team could add much to what's going on with you because right. it doesn't sound like something uh, that we deal with. Just about to wrap, brother. Take it home. Contact. Uh, yeah, for you, yeah. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com. Send me an email. Call me. Um, or come see me. Just call and say you want to book an assessment. It's, I mean, you guys have heard it. If, if you think that you need to see me in order to get an answer, which, you know, hint, hint, you often do. Right. Uh, because I, it, people need to appreciate from a due diligence perspective. I can't talk to someone for 20 seconds on the phone and know what's wrong with them if I haven't seen them. It just it, It's not even about anything more than it's it's wrong. 
mm-hmm. right? And I need to see somebody, and I'm happy to see anybody for the issues that we can help with. And uh, give me a call and see if those if the issue that you have is something we can help with. We'll be back here at our regular time next you, weekend. Ben. Yep. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Ben, guys. the protege, taking over pretty soon. Thanks, John. Look out, old Thanks, man. Dr. He's Dr. after <laughs> your gig. See you next time, Doctor Pancho, Global News Radio, six forty, Toronto.